0: let's pray. Good Father God, you know what is in our hearts. You know who we truly are. Help us to listen to you. Help us to learn from you. Help us to love you more as we do these things. Amen. On my first day, training as a probation officer, we were all taken into this auditorium um, in the hotel where we, were, where we were being trained. There were about, I think, 60, 70 of us. And they sat us all down in this uh, very official-looking conference room. And they sat, but they brought two men in and sat them in front of us. Very different-looking men. One of them was looked like us. He was wearing quite... Neat jeans, and, a, and he just looked like a normal person. Um, you know, he, was, he looked like pretty smart, like he was going out for a, a nice meal. The other was a complete mess. His jeans were dirty and ripped, and not the kind of jeans that you buy like that. He'd obviously been living in them for quite a long time. He smelt really badly of cigarettes, and he had that stain on his fingers that shows that somebody's been smoking for a long, long time. They are committed. He looked like he'd had a very, very good weekend, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And they sat them down in front of us and said, these men have both broken the law. Between them, they have broken a lot of laws. So, and they gave us a sheet with these crimes on them. Armed robbery, burglary, drug dealing, um, speeding, domestic violence, and grievous bodily harm. And we had to tick which one, which person we thought had done which of these things. And we had to do it without thinking very much. So they'd, they'd take the papers from us very, very quickly. And while we were doing that, they asked just two questions Where do you live, and what's your name? The one who looked neat and normal had a, a fairly normal sort of estuarine kind of voice, like he came from sort of London, but he'd learnt to speak proper. The other one came from Wolverhampton, and hardly anybody could understand him. He had an incredibly thick, strong Brummy accent, but not Brummie, sorry, Wolverhampton black country accent. And he was surly, really grumpy. So all of, the, all of the papers were taken in and collated, and of course most people had guessed with their knee-jerk reaction we'd, told, we'd been told to, and we'd guessed that the guy who looked like a mess had done more things wrong. But of course, that was not true. We found out that the man who was um, well-spoken and looked normal had done some of the, most, the worst things he could possibly imagine. I mean, he'd, he'd been out of prison for a long time and he'd actually not been offending for 10 years, so he'd managed to turn his life around, but he had done some pretty awful things. And the other guy was our chief probation officer. <laughs> who definitely was surly, and he was from the the black country, but yeah, I mean, we knew that it was set, a set up, it was obviously, but um yeah, he it was he was very surly, and he was a committed smoker, and he'd worn his worst clothes, and he'd definitely had a good weekend but and but he had been caught for speeding, so yeah. Never judge anyone by outward appearance, but we do all the time, don't we? We just do, that's the way we work. And in some ways, that's how we've been such a successful species, by judging people by their outward appearance. It's all about risk. Is this person going to be safe? Is this person going to be somebody that I want to spend time with? But God doesn't judge by those standards. God judges by the heart, by who we really are. Now, just a quick recap of our story so far. The first king had really messed up a lot. Over and over, Saul had made mistakes. And he'd made big mistakes. He didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to Samuel. He tried to pretend that he was doing the right thing, and he wasn't. And Samuel was very sad about that. And from our first couple of verses, it looks like God was very sad that he'd chosen Saul. What an incredibly difficult verse to read. God felt sorrow about something that had happened. God knew Saul. Saul messed up, and he had opportunities to change, but he didn't. And this can be seen by his actions. Now, we know also that Samuel was not perfect either. He was not a perfect person. He did not have a perfect home life at all. But he did listen to God. It was one of his MOs, wasn't it? It was one of the things that he did. Right from when he was a little boy, he listened to God. And he was still listening. He went to Jesse in Bethlehem, who lined up all his seven good-looking sons and of course, from you go to the eldest first in most cultures, don't you? And definitely in that culture. And Eliab looked like a king. He, it sounds like he looked very much like Saul. Tall, good-looking, a kingly sort of person. But no, it wasn't him. And it wasn't the one I can't pronounce. And it, Abinadab, every time I try it, it comes out different. Abinadab, yeah. It wasn't him either. It wasn't Shammah. And it wasn't the four that we don't hear the names of either. It was David who was working in the fields. I think it's very interesting that they had to keep standing until David got there. I wonder how long that took. The youngest son was anointed in front of his elder brothers, was lifted high in front of his elder brothers. I wonder what that reminds us of another son, a little bit earlier in the Bible story. People look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So what was it about David's heart that God saw? I've got a a great children's Bible that I I usually go to when I'm preaching to see if there's any, any wisdom in there. And in the children's Bible, God says that David's heart is pure and he longs to follow me. What a lovely thing. David's heart is pure, and he longs to follow me. Perhaps you know that David also was not perfect. It's not perfection that God is looking for here. David really, really made some big mistakes later in his life, but his heart was pure. What does that mean, having a pure heart? Of course, that word heart that we use as the seat of our emotions in, in the West it is a very different word in Hebrew. It's your guts. It's really your guts and, and something a little bit more fundamental. But pure-hearted here, I think, means single-minded. The only thing we are seeking after is God. The center of our lives is God when Jesus was asked what the most, command, most important commandment of all was, he answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Well, that's easy, isn't it? <laughs> of course, It's not easy. It's something that we have to come back to again and again and again. And that's why we hear that exhortation so often. That's why Jewish people say it so often. Neither of the main characters in this story were perfect. David nor Samuel. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about purity of heart. Something else. Jesus says, said that what we say and do often shows what is in our heart. And that's how we know what is in somebody's heart, isn't it? That's how we can see it. What can we see in Samuel's life that showed his purity of heart? He listened to God. He did what God asked him to do. He led the people of Israel. He helped find leaders for the people of Israel. David was pure of heart. He was a musician. He wrote many, many wonderful hymns of love and praise and real emotion. He was a warrior. He fought for the people of Israel. He talked big and he did some pretty amazing things. He always asked for forgiveness when he did something wrong. And there were many, many other things that he did that showed his purity of heart. Now, I think it's fascinating that this passage is about finding a new leader. And on Wednesday and Thursday this week, we're going to be interviewing Michael Norman and Paul Radcliffe Radcliffe, for the job of being our vicar here at St. Stephen's. I didn't even pick it. (laughs) It happened. It's wonderful when this happens. How do we know which of these people to pick, or even if we pick one of them? How do we know if they're right? It's not a setup like it was at the probation service for me. These guys both look great on paper, and I'm sure they're going to be both wearing normal clothes. It's easy to judge people by our initial reaction to them. I sat next to somebody that I thought was pretty annoying on my first day at college. She was loud, she was American. She was obviously very, very rich because she had one of the most expensive handbags I've ever seen on an actual person. She used some churchy language that I found, found quite difficult. And I thought, oh gosh, please God, help me not to have to have much to do with you. Kristen is one of my best friends now. Um, and sorry if you're listening. Um, she knows that I found her annoying when I first met her. Um, I think it was mutual. So... We must never allow our first impressions to be the only impression we have of people. And the same goes for these people, for Michael and for Paul, as we meet them this week. I wonder what the panel are going to be looking for during the interview. They're going to be trying to discern a lot of things. Are Michael and Paul called specifically here to St. Stephen's? Are they really good at what they do? What are their skills? Are they the right fit for us? Are they pure in heart? Maybe a little bit harder to discern in a two-day interview. It's one of the reasons we interview people for a bit longer than one day and we have lots of different things happening so we can get to know them a little bit and it's not that first impression we're looking for something much, more deep, much deeper than mere competence. We're looking for somebody pure in heart. But how do we, fallible people, tell if somebody is pure-hearted? It's hard. It is. Especially if those two people are, are good. How, that's where we're going to need to pray. All of us need to pray that our interviewing panel will be like Samuel. In the good way, that they'll be listening to God, that they will be doing what God is telling them. So please pray. Um, it, I know who here is going, on the interviewing panel? <laughs> Colin. So pray for Colin, please keep praying for Colin. Pray for Colin, pray for Claire, pray for Bishop Andrew, and pray for Paul our archdeacon. Is there anybody else on the panel? Four is a good number. We're not just talking about the calling of our leader. We're not just talking about the calling of the leader of the people of Israel. We are all called to be God's people. I have to point out that David did not become king as soon as he was called. There are different um, estimates for how long it took, but potentially up to 15 years between the, the first anointing and when he was actually crowned king. Sometimes we need to wait, even if we're pretty convinced that God has called us to do something specific. And in the meantime, we need to get on with the business of searching after God, of doing, living our lives and doing God's things, like David did. So how do we get a pure heart like David? We have to ask for it. And we have to keep on asking for it. We're told in our story that the Holy Spirit came into David and filled him for the rest of his life. And in the Old Testament, often the Holy Spirit is described as just being specifically and specially on certain people. But now, that same Holy Spirit is with us all. That same Holy Spirit that filled David and made him the wonderful king with a heart after God that he was, is for everybody. So we need to keep asking to be filled with that Holy Spirit. Humans tend to judge by appearances, but God looks at the heart. God is not expecting us to be perfect. God wants us to be pure in heart. Who is it that you seek? Do you seek him with all your heart? Do you seek him with all your soul? Do you seek him with all your mind? Do you seek him with all your strength? God, would you have mercy on us for the times we fail to do this. Help us to be pure in heart. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, Claire. There's a really, real, really worth to hear. God's not looking for perfection, but a pure heart. Thank you, that's really, isn't that a relief? Not looking for perfection, but a pure heart. Praise God. Thank you, Claire. Let's stand now and we'll affirm our faith in God. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father,